welcome to the Be Disciples podcast with your hosts, Kyle Morris and Dakota Smith. This is episode number 73 as we study the book of Acts. How are you doing, Dakota? Hey, brother. It's good. Just got done with Thanksgiving. Yeah. I was in Arkansas, hanging out with the whole family. The Dallas Cowboys won. For the first time in a few years on Thanksgiving. For the first time in a few years on Thanksgiving, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Somehow we For all persevered. of you out there that actually care. Yeah, for everyone who cares. We are still Cowboys fans through trial and tribulation. We are there. Not going to lie, if, if they got whooped by the Vikings and lost this game, I would probably write off the season. But I'd give up totally. Yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. I hope uh, everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Amen. Uh, we did as well. This is actually the first year in the last uh, few since moving to Kansas that we had Thanksgiving at our house. The last few years we... Uh, went to a, a, a church member's uh, house for Thanksgiving, and this year my parents, they moved here to Kansas, and so they were here. My sister flew in from Ohio, and so it was Oh, just, I forgot. Your, sis, your sister was here. Yeah, and so uh, first time really having it at our house, it was a lot of fun, and uh, plus it was uh, our our oldest is starting to understand holidays a little bit or learning about them. And so he gets excited, and uh, and then we have a baby in the house too. So the house keeps growing, as you know, uh, and so that's a lot of fun. But I know your Thanksgiving had way too many kids, I think. Uh, yeah, 20 children. 20 children. Between, you know, all of the in-laws. That that was a bit intense. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about 20. Uh, I'm good with uh, the one toddler. <laughs> you know, the cool thing is there's like age brackets in our family of the cousins these cousins hang out together. These cousins hang out. These cousins hang out. And uh, they uh, they went off and they played for the majority of the time. They were always outside. They were having a good time. You know, uh, it was a real blessing. But after about a week, you're ready to come home. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet. I remember uh, as a kid, we went on a couple of houseboat trips to Lake Powell up in Arizona, Utah area. And uh, it was just with our family that we saw all the time, kind of like you, but not as many. But we'd live on a houseboat for a week. After a few days, you start to learn uh, uh, your family members' living habits yeah. and things like that, which, you know, you just, you're not used to living together. You see each other once a week or every now and again, and now you're actually living together and putting a new routine for the week. And that can cause some friction. That's it. It's the routine. Yeah. And then you come home from the routine. The kids think that that old routine, the vacation routine is their routine at home and you have to readjust and, and reaffirm. Nope. Yep. We're back into our normal routine. Yeah, you have to now get back to your chores. <laughs> That's right. Uh, not uh, the adults doing it for the sake of saving time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it is uh, it is. It's always a great time, uh, your holiday seasons of Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so we hope all of you listening are having uh, a wonderful time as well, but also praying for you that may be also experiencing uh, a first of the holidays without somebody. Uh, I think we got many people in our church and and just I know that sometimes throughout the year we lose family members or close friends. And so I just want to pray for us before we get started, uh, because sometimes these times are hard as well. Even though we can remember the good times, there are seasons that aren't as aren't as wonderful either. And I would even say this before we pray. You know, this podcast is often listened to uh, among many people in our church. If you live in Franklin County, if you live anywhere near Ottawa and you attend our church, please use this podcast as a platform to help others listen to it and then invite them to our church for the holiday season. They don't need to be alone. They can join us. Right. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to 
speak your word and for it to go out into the world. And I thank you for the a time of family and friends. And uh, But ultimately, as we think about Thanksgiving, we think about what you've done for us, Lord, and, and what we are thankful for, uh, Jesus taking the cross. And then also for Christmas coming up and uh, the sending of the, the Messiah, Savior, coming into the world. Uh, and just the time of celebrating uh, you, Lord, and glorifying your name. I just pray for the hearts of everybody. I hope that we get to, uh, that everyone gets to spend time with family and friends of some kind. Uh, that uh, and if they are alone, that Ottawa Bible Church is here in this area for you to come and join us in fellowship. And I also pray for those who are struggling during this time. Uh, that this is a first, a first with a missing relative, a first with a a friend that has passed. Uh, whatever that may be, uh, those are hard times. But that we would reestablish. Uh, the joy for the season, which is through you, Lord, that we would remember the great times with those we have lost, and we would make new memories to come and new traditions, uh, but it would ultimately be focused on you. Be with us as we study the book of Acts, and that we'd continue to be faithful to your word, and that we would be equipped to go and share the gospel with people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We pick it up today in Acts chapter 4, verse 36 and verse 37. It actually closes out the chapter And our hope is that we'll make it all the way to chapter 5, verse 11. So you're going to see an immediate contrast. Look at what happens. Verse 36. Now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Just a few things here. I did not realize that Barnabas's name was Joseph and that he was a Levite. Just for whatever reason, that passed over my head. I mean, that would have qualified him for the priesthood um, under Old Testament times. Anyways, we go from Barnabas, who obviously is soon going to join Paul in his missionary journeys. Then we get to chapter 5, verse 1. But, contrast, a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge, and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came over all who heard of it. The young men got up and covered him up, and after carrying him out, they buried him. So let's stop there. That's probably a good stopping point. Chapter 4, 36, all the way to chapter 5, verse 6. Let's engage into discussion, Pastor Kyle. What we got? Well, we have Barnabas. Right? Yeah, sold some land, gave it all. Um, it was something that he wasn't commanded to do, as we talked about in our last episode. That these people weren't commanded to sell these things and to do these things, but they were doing it out of obedience to God in in a way that they just wanted to be faithful to God. They knew the mission, and the mission was more important than anything else. The mission was to reach people and to take care of people, and they're willing to give up everything for God, and they were doing it out of their heart. 
for for love for God. Love for God and love for people prompted it, but it's not a command that every believer has to do this. Right, and so we see the heart of Barnabas um, of selling his land to ensure people's needs are met, the kingdom can continue to be advanced. Then we step into a, a, a couple, a husband and a wife, right, who also have some land, who also sell that land for this purpose, but with a little bit of selfishness mixed in. <laughs> there seems to be a difference in the the action is the same, the selling of the piece of land. But the motive. But the intent or the motive after the fact seems to be different here. There seems to be a, a one side is giving it all up because that's what they feel called to do. The other side is giving it up with a, they want to have a veneer or, or a look as if, <laughs> They gave everything, right? That's right. But it's not actually all of it. There, there, there's a lie. There's a, there's a, a deceitful piece here, yeah. in which is called out. There is a deception over how intimate they are with the Holy Spirit. Wow. Yeah. Let's. There's a lot to be spoken of there. So let's go back to Barnabas just really quick because I think this is your first intentional introduction into Barnabas's life before he becomes pivotal in his ministry with Paul. So let's take note of him. His name literally means the son of encouragement. And I think just the title of Barnabas's name, he lives up to it. And I think Luke here in writing Acts is trying to point out to you that he's a man who lives up to his name. Notice that his first technical birth name is Joseph, but as was common in this culture, individuals possess two or three names based on their character. And Barnabas is just merely living out who he is. He's wanting to do whatever he can to be an encouragement. But something else, too, that I think of, Kyle, would you like to own land one day here in Kansas? Sure. I own a really little small piece in a neighborhood right now. Yeah. I mean, I've <laughs> but, got like 0.3 of an acre. But <laughs> yeah. but a larger piece where I don't have to like see my neighbor. And yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Put some timber between me and the next guy. Let a dog. Not that I don't want to talk to them. I just don't want to see them all the time. <laughs> but the point is, is it's so interesting that in our context right now, we're looking for land for a lot of different motivations and purposes. Mm-hmm. And so consider how valuable land would be to us today. Now, take how valuable land was to an individual back then. Like you needed land to actually survive, right? Mm-hmm. Plus, if you possessed any type of land, it, it was probably in connection with your family. Yeah. So the set, what I'm pointing out is the sacrifice of Barnabas's land that was being sold had familial connections, survival connections, all of those things, and he still lives up to his name. That's a big deal. I'm not going to give over my land. I mean, if the Lord prompts, yes. But what I'm trying to show is like his intention was something that goes beyond my own personal understanding. And I'm thinking this just isn't any land. What land is this? The most talked about land in all of the Bible, which centers around all of history, Israel. Yeah. I'm guessing this is some land in the promised land, most likely somewhere in that area. I think it's probably somewhat of a desired land in the sense of sentimental or a historical value in the sense of this is where we're from. This is our land. This is our family's land. Cool. This is God's land. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot, I think, probably tied to this land, even if it maybe isn't the most, maybe it's it could be rocky. I don't know what kind of land it was, right? But it had to have been valuable. But it was valuable, whether that was monetarily or 
theologically. Theologically, I mean, this is there's more tied to this than just him just selling some land. Right. I think this is important land. Yeah, I mean, if you think about the Abrahamic covenant, God promised unconditionally, based on nothing Abram did, that he would give him land, seed, and blessing. The land of Canaan, which becomes a promised land, seed, which means he would grow Abram's family into a great nation, and then blessing, which would ultimately be the blessing of the Messiah, that would bless all other nations, right? So you see that right away in uh, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. The only thing that I'm not sure of is it says he was a Levite of Cyprian birth, but it seems to me like he is in Israel at this time. So I'm, I'm going to go with that. Yeah, I mean, the land could be anywhere, and I'm not saying it's there's no specifics on where the land is. But if it's in Israel, it, yeah. it may have monetary value and theological sentiment. Yeah. Well, but I also think there's something about Barnabas selling land and knowing what Barnabas is going to do. Because we know what Barnabas is going to do. He's going to go. Leave. He's going to leave. <laughs> and what do yeah. the apostles, what are they commanded to do? Yeah, they're to commanded leave, to leave. Yep. Right? And I think there's there's something here with him selling this land. He is sold out literally and yep. spiritually, right? I'm selling everything because I have a mission that oh, God man. told me to go do. Dude, you could just preach a message on these two verses. Right, because think yep. about who Paul was, who he's going to go and befriend and travel with and do missions with. Paul, we know from his letters, knows what it looks like to live a life totally dedicated to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Barnabas is showing us his priorities. Yep. His priority isn't about land and possession. It's about reaching people with God's word and the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ. And we see that he's literally sold out. I'm I'm going. I'm leaving. I don't need this land. You use it. Help the church. Help expand the kingdom. We've got we've got a mission to do. And I am totally bought in. So I'm selling everything, and I'm gonna go. Well, I mean, even more if we just think about the phrase. Not only did he he sell it, but it says he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. A, a picture of submission to what Paul says in Ephesians, the apostles are the foundation of the church. So Barnabas is taking, let's just say, a, a piece of land that has theological sentiment, <laughs> and he's moving into theological submission. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? So thinking about just the intent and the motive of Barnabas alone is incredible. Transition there from the intent and motive of Barnabas to the intent and motive of Ananias and Sapphira, and you see what's happening in Acts. Yeah, I mean, with, with Barnabas, you know, being a Levite, so much of of what God had done with the people was was tied to some physical things, mm -hmm. right? It, I mean, the, the temple, um, God dwelling in the temple itself. Um, now we've moved past that to God dwelling in the believer. Yeah. And a, and a more of an outward picture of what God's doing to reach all people of all nations. And you just see this, the selling off that Barnabas is doing is almost this, this picture of I'm no longer necessarily tied to this land yeah. because Jesus has set us free and we need to go tell people about Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I, there's almost like this release, like Barnabas is like, I don't even, it's not even valuable to me anymore. 
but I can take in what in comparison to yeah in comparison yeah. to that. But now I can take what this is valuable to on earth. I can lay it at the apostles' feet in submission to the mission to ensure that this is used for the purpose in which I live. So you just see his character, yeah. Why he's called son of encouragement, why he would do it. I just think it tells us a lot about Barnabas in two sentences. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's a big deal. Well, and I, I think there's two more things to add. Um, and just so our listeners are sure, here at the church, we're dispensationalists, which means we believe there's a difference between the church and Israel. Uh-huh. And we still value the promised land itself because Jesus is going to return and rule from Israel during his second coming. So we're not saying that the land isn't valuable, but in comparison to his relationship with Christ, uh, he was like, well, whatever the church needs, you know. But then second, I just remembered this, in the Old Testament, Levites were never given portions of the promised land. Right. I mean, they were given places, you know, sanctity cities to dwell in, so to speak. Um, the, but it was the people of Israel's job to take care of the Levites. They, they were the only ones that were not allotted portions of the promised land. So for him to have a piece of land... I think might even say something of more significance. Someone, it does say he's a Cyprian, which I I think that's a reference to the um, island of Cyprus. But nevertheless, how did he get a hold of this land? It would have been, at least to my thinking, maybe unusual for someone of that background to have a piece of land. So it had to have been highly valuable. Now move from there to Ananias and Sapphira. Yet again, a man named Ananias with his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property. It says they kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge. Maybe translations say collusion. And they brought a portion of it. And there it is again, a second time. They laid it at the apostles' feet. As you noted a moment ago, same action, different motive. Yeah, I think there's a couple things we have to look at here. Um, say, I, Say I had some land. And I sold it. And if my if the perceived intent and or I told people, I'm gonna give all this money to the church. That's that's what I'm gonna do. Right. And I came to the church and I told people I sold this land for a hundred thousand dollars, but I actually sold it for a hundred and fifty. But I deceived people mm-hmm. and people thought I gave it all to the church, but I actually didn't. That's what I think is 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 happening here. Because if I sell land today and I say I'm going to take ten percent of that land and I'm going to give it to the church, that's the not money, a problem. But that's and and I that was in, that's what I said I was going to do. That's what I committed to do. That's what maybe the deacons knew because that's what I did. Nothing wrong with that. That's perfectly fine. Yeah. But it's the deception of that's Ananias right. and it's Sapphira. The lie. the lie about of of this perceived I gave up everything when in actuality you didn't really give up everything. Well, Peter says in verse 3, we just discover exactly what their motive is because Peter tells us. Verse 3, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? That's an interesting phrase. Why has Satan filled your heart to lie, there it is, to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? If Ananias had just said, look, I got 150,000 from my property. I'm going to give the church 100,000. Me and Sapphira are going to keep 50 G's for ourselves. That would not have been an issue. Because it wouldn't have been a lie. It wouldn't have been a lie. It wouldn't have been deceptive. But the deception was there for selfish gain so that he himself could be elevated, right? I think in the early church, 
you know, anything that sought to quench the Holy Spirit, anything that sought to um, contradict the movement of the Holy Spirit, which is what's obviously happening. All these great things, the proclamation of the word, the fellowship of the believers, Barnabas, his great example. It seems this happens right after Barnabas too. So everybody's celebrating. They love Barnabas. And then this, oh, well, how can we get some of that fame? No, this is God's program, not yours. That's why you're going to die. And this deception, (laughs) oh man, this deception doesn't stop here in the early church. No. This deception goes all the way to the Protestant Reformation. Yeah, it does. And it's happening today. So I'm not going to, I don't want to say it stopped happening at the Protestant Reformation because that's not true. Um, There's people who do this. But, but, but we, we see this idea of the more we give, the more power we gain, or the more, um, repu- the better reputation we have, or whatever the the deceit was, and and I I do find it interesting, like you point out, that why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? There was there was an intent here. I mean, they had the intent to deceive. They had the intent to um, to really try to pull a fast one. They did on God. Yeah, I know. Yeah. They weren't taking the fear of God very seriously. No, they weren't. The holiness of God. This makes me think of um, Aaron's two sons, Nadab and Abihu, from Leviticus 10. Um, you know, they they were killed on the spot. Eli's two sons and Samuel, they were killed on the spot. When, when you think about some of the individuals in the Old Testament, why did they die right away? Because they didn't have a reverence for the holiness of God. And and what is God's motive? I think it's what happens in verse 5. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last. And how did the people respond? It said, great fear came over all who heard of it. God was protecting the purity of the early church by removing their life. I think Ananias and Sapphira could have been believers. Like, there's nothing that says they weren't. They were a part of the church. Mm-hmm. But I think God disciplined them right now, immediately, in the moment. And it's possible that God can take your life and discipline you right away and still be a believer. I mean, I think that's true. Yep. You know, death yep. is a consequence of sin. So it's also unique that verse 3 says, they lied to the Holy Spirit. But then Peter clarifies in verse 4 even more, you have not lied to men, but you have lied to God. So God, the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. is a part of the Trinity. That's another, that's a famous verse we use when talking about pneumatology. So Yeah, so what happens here? We <laughs> we get Ananias, heard these words, he fell down and he died. He's he's dead, bro. Yeah. <laughs> right away. Don't take glory from God. Do not do it. God could drop you dead. Yeah. Yeah. And so we see that happen. Great fear came upon all of them who heard it. Yeah. A young man rose, wrapped him up, carried him off. And then it says three hours later his wife came in. <laughs> yeah. Here she comes. She's got full knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Not knowing what had happened yeah. to her husband. Yeah. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so uh, for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. So confirming the price of the land. Right. Um, she continues the lie. and But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Yeah. Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last when the young men carried, uh, came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Second time, great fear came over all the church. Can you imagine being Sapphira? She probably didn't even realize her husband was dead. Let me tell you something. You're about to die, too. We're going to carry you off. This is not okay. <laughs> yeah. 
This this is probably one of those moments in the early church where people are like, oh, shoot. Man, this church thing is no joke. <laughs> yeah, it is not at all. Dude, people used to be afraid of Christians for this reason because they they understood who Christians followed. Mm-hmm. The church, the early church would have had an incredible respect because I think the, or, the early church was consistent with their behavior. And when there was an inconsistency, it was dealt with, right? In this case, it's dealt with by God, right? Mm-hmm. So interesting situation. I, I think this will lead us into next week as we continue to see what's taking place with the growth of the church and the ministry of the church. But I think we as believers, maybe this is a good way to close. In one sentence, I would say that we as believers must have an absolute respect for the person and the work of the Holy Spirit and are to realize ourselves that we are to obey God's plan and not our own. Yeah, I think it's just, it's good for us to recognize um, that God is a living God, um, that we're not coming to church for uh, a sense of feeling good about ourselves or checking a, a list or or saying, you know, these things just um, make me feel good. That's why I go to church. But God is real. <laughs> Jesus did die on a cross and he did raise from the dead from the dead three days later. And he's alive today. The same holy God that gave David the ability to beat Goliath, to take an enemy away is the same God here that said to Ananias and Sapphira, your time is done. God is in control of life and death. He's in control of all things. <laughs> and we need to recognize that, that, that he is truly powerful and deserves all glory and all praise. And we need to continue to keep that uh, at, the, at the forefront. That should be on our eyes is his glory and his righteousness and his holiness and all of those things. And we can't let that get out of our, out of our sight. Yeah, and let us also remember, God actually can discipline you by taking your life because of sin. Yeah, It doesn't mean that your salvation's at risk, but God can actually discipline you in those ways. In, in Corinth, we, we see what Paul says, you're taking communion in such an unholy way. That's why so many of you are sick and dying. Same thing there. I think God will do what is necessary to protect the holiness of his church, especially when a serious level of pride and arrogance starts to arise at the forefront. No, this is God's show, not ours. Yeah, and I I think just focusing on the gospel for a second, this action was going to give a bad would have given a bad reputation to the advancement of the kingdom of the gospel. If if people found out about this later on that Ananias and Sapphira were gave money and they lied and look at these Christian liars and they don't even know what they're doing. There would be all kinds of problems with the message that was being taught, which is what Jesus had done on the cross. I think that's, that's a really important thing to see here that God didn't allow the word of God, the message, the gospel to be messed up. Yeah, to be corrupted, corrupted by compromised sin, by sin or by sinners in their actions, but to show no, this is this is holy work that's happening here. Yeah, and and there's a great fear. The emphasis there's a great fear that's coming over all who are in the church. Yep. So it's not just protecting the message for the viewers on the outside, but it's also protecting the heart of the church. So the church understands. Wait a minute, we can't afford to be living for ourselves in a lying, arrogant, deceitful way because 
I mean, if nothing would have happened, who knows? That could have just spread on into the early church. God was preserving things here. This is not something God will do every single time because it's happened plenty of times since and people haven't died. But the point is, is that God was preserving the early church for the expansion across the world. Amen. Well, thank you all for listening to the Be Disciples podcast. Please share it with your friends, your family. Uh, I hope that it continues to encourage you and it continues to uh, help you as you study God's word. I hope you have a blessed week. And come back and see as we continue to study the book of Acts.